Social Zoom Factor, episode 27. Driving results in business these days takes something special. It's a combination of the right info and the right energy. Pam Moore has both and is here to help you avoid the pitfalls and guide your business and life by leveraging and integrating social media, powerful branding, and digital marketing. Welcome to Social Zoom Factor. Now it's time to live life zoomed. Hey there, Zoomers. This is your host, Pam Moore. Welcome to Social Zoom Factor. I hope you are having an amazing morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever time it is in your time zone. I know we have people all over the world listening to this podcast, and I hope and pray that you are finding value in it. Please make sure you share with us what you want to hear. Let me know your questions. Go to socialzoomfactor.com slash askpam and leave me a voicemail. And I will start playing some of those voicemails very soon on the show. And then I will answer the question right here live on the show. So keep those questions coming. We're starting to get those coming in. And I can't wait to start sharing some of those answers with you. So today we're going to talk about communities and audiences. And this is a trend that I'm seeing again. And this is something that popped up several years ago, and I'm starting to see the same conversation come back. And as people are starting to have some success in building their online communities, they start to think that they, quote unquote, own the people within those communities. And I was engaged in a conversation not too long ago out on a social network, and I actually saw a member of that community talk about owning his audience and that the conversation can be controlled. And his comments reminded me very much of the old school marketing myths of build it and they will come. Take a look at the dot bomb era and see how that turned out. And I tell you, I was right smack dab in the middle of that era of working at Sun Microsystems. I worked there for seven and a half years and I started there right before the dot com crash. And I don't know if you knew much about Sun Microsystems, but our tagline was we put the dot in dot com. So when there was the dot com crash, the dot bomb, that was not a good thing for our messaging. So I remember that era long, hard and strong. So when I think about build it and they will come, that is the furthest thing from the truth, right? And it's the same thing with owning your audiences. So a lot of times when people are stating that they can own their audience. I know that some people are not stating it literally. And they're just saying you need to make sure you're providing value. And you need to make sure you're connecting with your audience because it gives you some power and control, right? I don't use those words, but I understand where some of them are coming from. However, some people are using reference in this type of conversation. And they're referencing these same type of conversations. And they actually do mean that they want to control their audiences and that they have control of their audiences and their communities. Because they then believe if they have control over them, then they can control who has access to them for advertising purposes. And while I agree on some of the premise for what these people are saying a tiny bit, it is a very dangerous bridge to cross because you cannot control human beings, and we should not be trying to control human beings. 
And particularly when it comes to social networking and social media, where we should 100% be focused on nurturing relationships, providing value, inspiring and igniting amazing conversation that helps people draw organically closer to us. It's not about control. So instead of controlling this conversation, I believe a more appropriate word would maybe be to influence that conversation. So as I've been listening to some of these conversations, it's really been a wake up call for me because I didn't really know that people still thought this way so deeply, let alone we're still preaching and teaching such because I've seen some very strong thought leaders and consultants out there that are in different industries and niches than what I'm in. They don't run in the same circles as a lot of us, but they still are very powerful within their own niches. And seeing them preach and teach some of these things has just been really eye-opening for me. So I wanted to just do a little bit shorter podcast today and dive into this topic. And I really want to start a conversation on it. And I think very soon we will probably be doing a Get Real Chat conversation on this topic. And our Get Real Chat is every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And you can check that out. You can just go to getrealchat.com and we post all of the past transcripts there as well. And we do a Storify summary every week with a recap of the highlights from the conversation. But I think we'll probably take this conversation to that platform at some point very soon. So the question today is, can an audience or a community be owned And what does it mean to be owned? So here's my take on it. I don't think the audiences can be owned. And why? Because communities and audiences are made up of human beings and we can't own the human beings. We cannot control the relationships that we have with the members of our community or our audience. We can't control the relationships that they have with each other. They control the relationship when we're first starting. And why is that? Because they can turn us off. They can tell us goodbye forever in the blink of an eye. Just because somebody follows you on Twitter or connects with you on LinkedIn, they're in control whether they're going to keep that conversation going. And I think a great example is out on LinkedIn. And I get a ton of requests to connect on LinkedIn every day. There's not a moment of the day I don't log in and I have at least 10 to 15 new people wanting to connect with me. And I'm not complaining about that at all. However, I can look at some of their profiles and I can see, and if I was a betting woman, I could probably lay some decent bets on who is going to spam me. Now, if I look at the profile and I can tell that they're going to spam me, a lot of the SEO companies are getting really bad at this. I oftentimes will not connect with them, particularly if they have not filled out their profile. If they have a logo, I'm not going to connect with them. But I usually try to give people the benefit of the doubt. So sometimes I end up getting hosed on this front, all right? And it's why I end up getting some spam back because I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. So when I accept their request to become a contact, it is amazing how many people immediately spam me. And they must have an auto message or some of them write the message or they'll copy and paste the message and send it directly back to me. And it is just utter spam. I mean, we're talking sick, slimy, gross spam. Now think about this particular scenario. Just because I've accepted their contact request on LinkedIn, does that mean I'm going to keep it alive and going? No. So what I've started doing when I get one of those spam messages If it's true spam and I can tell that they have copy and pasted it, if I think 
that they may have good intentions, but they are falling to spam tactics. If they're lucky, I will reply back. I will keep that connection. And I have gotten to where I'm just pretty blunt and bold. And I just will say, please quit spamming me or I will remove you as a connection. Basically, if you want to be my connection, I'd be happy for us to nurture a relationship. And a lot of times I'll get a reply back that says, I'm very sorry. I was busy. You know, they'll make up whatever excuse there is. But a lot of people are just very humble and they'll say, you know, what? I'm sorry. This was spam. Okay. Now, if I get a message and it looks really spammy and the person looks a little bit spammy and I was questionable about whether I should accept that connection to begin with, then when they send me the spam message, guess what? They're gone. I get that message. I may reply back to them and say, thanks for the spam. And then I oftentimes will report them on LinkedIn and say, this person's spamming if it's blatant and I will remove them from a connection. So tell me, Who's in control of that conversation when that happens? Who's in control of that relationship? They had an opportunity, which I always talk about, to nurture a relationship with me. But what happened? They totally hosed it up. And how did they hose it up? They hosed it up by thinking they controlled me, by thinking, hey, I got this Pam girl. You know, I'm going to now just start spamming her and she'll go click on my blog and click on my link and buy all my services. I'm just shocked at how people do this. So if that's what you're doing, don't do it. You're better off not sending a message than you are sending spam. You're not going to get anywhere, okay? Just because somebody has connected with you does not mean that they trust you. You need to establish trust. You need to establish relationships. And I recently just did a podcast on how to ignite trust and authority and how to ignite your brand by establishing trust and authority. So I really encourage you to check that out because somebody can be your connection one day and decide to leave you the next day or the next hour. How long they decide to stick around and what they tell their friends and their community about you is going to be dependent upon that relationship and how you start off that relationship, how you continue that relationship. And the same thing can happen even with an established relationship and established community. If you start to build a community and that community grows and then it's built around a certain topic. And I've seen some people do this around particularly multi-level marketing types of products and services. And so they may build a community around a specific topic for business or marketing, whatever that may be. And then all of a sudden they get this great idea and they say, you know what? I just joined this new multi-level marketing company that is now about whatever it may be, a health drink, about fitness, whatever. And they start just cramming that down this other community's throat that really is signed up to hear about business and marketing And now they're talking about all the new cars they're getting with the MLM and they're saying, come join me, come to this meeting. And I have seen some communities just fall apart when this happens. And so a lot of it is going to depend upon that relationship you have with that community. I've seen some people be able to get away with doing that and they can transition from different types of products and services over the years. And so it's because they have a community that is addicted to them. That community doesn't care what they sell or what they do. They just like that community leader and they like the people within that community. And so when that happens, that's amazing. And that's when you know you have built a community that has a foundation on trust 
and on likability and on leadership and on human connection, right? So if you have that community, you can test out some different things, but that does not mean that you own that community and anything you want to do with that community is what's going to happen, you know, and we have owned numerous businesses over the last few years, last five years since I left corporate. And I'll tell you, I do have a very engaged community. So when we launch a new platform or we launch a new company, I sold my first agency within two years. I launched a second agency. That agency was able to kick off the ground immediately because we had an established community. That community was not just built on a logo or a brand. It was attached to the humans within our community. So now we've launched multiple platforms. We've launched the Zoom Factor, Social Zoom Factor podcast. That blog that where I put all of the content for the Social Zoom Factor podcast, that blog has already ignited above where our agency blog is. It's not close to where my personal blog is, but it is already now a lot of the blog ranking and statistics and traffic. It's high above our agency blog that we've had going for almost two years. And that is because of a powerful, cohesive community that we have that trust what we say, trust what we do, and they want to hear about the information that we share. They want to learn. They want to be empowered. They want to be inspired. It's not about me. It's about them. So the relationship with your audience and your community is really dependent upon the trust and the value that you provide them. And it's the way that you make them feel. If your goal is to own your audience, then you are not starting off with trust or value. You're beginning the relationship thinking, what can I get versus what can I give? Completely different mindset. So let's use the analogy of your blog or your website. So when a person visits your blog or your website, you can control to some degree what they can do and what they can't do on your property that you own. You can control things like commenting, comment moderation, what trail they leave behind after they leave your blog, you know, whether you're tracking IP address, those types of things. You can control what they can easily share with their audiences via the share buttons and even what kind of content that they can view or see. However, controlling the behavior on your site that you own does not mean you control or own them because guess what? As soon as they leave your blog, they can go do whatever they want. They can go tell their audience whatever they want to tell their audience about. They can go tell their friends and colleague, dude, this guy that I just read his blog, he's a maniac. He's just telling lies. Or or they can say, hey, you know, Christy that's over there that just wrote this amazing blog post. I can't believe how amazing that content was. I really wish she had a share button so I could share it with you. But here's the link. So that experience on your blog or your website is going to impact what they do offline. However, you can't control once they get off from your blog post. And the next thing I want you to think about is that your audience has an audience of audiences. So if you impact a relationship in a very negative or positive way, you are not just impacting that person. You are impacting that person and everybody that they go tell about that experience. Okay, so your audience has an audience of audiences. And so even for the brands that work under the notion that audiences can be controlled, cannot control what happens after that person 
leaves that particular experience, whether that be on a blog, on a social network, via Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever that may be. So here's my biggest point of this conversation. Who cares if they can control the audience when they're on their site or your site? Who cares about that? Because it's what happens after they leave your site that is equally and arguably more important. And while a brand may be able to control how I comment on their blog, their website, or social network, that is not going to stop me from communicating with my 217,000 plus Twitter followers what I think about them. It's not going to stop me from blogging, from podcasting, from posting to Facebook, and telling my friends via word of mouth and online my deepest, darkest thoughts and truths about how I feel about their brand. So to think that you own any audience is a recipe for disaster, and it goes against what really is the core success factors for building a successful business, which are relationships and trust. And so if your intention is to own me, sorry, but you are going to lose me at hello, I am a human being and I'm not for sale. And I hope that none of you are for sale either. I know you're not. So instead of thinking of your audience of dollar signs, and I know a lot of people do this, even a lot of the clients we work with, a lot of the new clients, when we bring on a new client, they tend to think of people within their community as a dollar bill. And they quickly want to get to monetization. Okay, I have this many followers. I'm going to be able to monetize them in this way. How fast can you do that, Pam? And while we can put a specific plan in place to achieve absolutely measurable objectives, it's not as black and white as that. So we always have to teach them that we must invest in building relationships with real human beings that are going to help us take both our business and our life to the next level. So it's not so much about control and influence scores and figuring out how we can manipulate, you know, almost digitally hypnotize the people within our audience to do everything we want them to do. We don't want to play manipulation games. And that's, I think, a big reason why I don't like some of the manipulation posts out on Facebook. I don't like a lot of the word puzzles and just the wacky posts that drive and beg people to engage so some of these social thought leaders can increase their influence scores. To me, it just doesn't make sense. And to each their own, right? I always say the only way to do social media and social business in life is the way that works for you and your business. There's only one way to do it, and that's the way that works for you, your business, and your audience. So what works for me may not work exactly the same for you. And what works for others may not work for me. So just know as you listen to me and as you engage with me on my blog and the other social platforms, I share what I think. I share what I know works, what I have seen real business results with ourself, with our own agency, with our own platforms and our clients. So I'm not speaking to you from theory. I'm not speaking to you from just what I've read out on other blogs and listened to on other podcasts. I'm sharing with you what I know works. I also share with you some of my opinions. I'm not trying to control you to do exactly what I tell you to do. The information that I share with you, I hope will just help you, inspire you, and empower you to be able to make your own decisions and to be able to take the information that you have learned from me and hopefully, you know, marry that up with 
content and information you're hearing from other people. And if it's different than mine, great. It's up to you to make that decision of what you think is going to work for your business. And it's not about finding a cookie cutter answer as to how you should specifically build your community. You know, I put out a ton of content out there and frameworks and methodologies on how to build communities. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I have been building communities since long before social media ever came along. Back in my 15 years of corporate, we were doing social media long before it was ever called social media. So it is just a passion of mine. And it's why you'll hear me teach and preach a lot on these topics. And we will have a lot more classes that will be coming online as well. We have a whole university we're launching with Social Zoom Factor. So stay tuned for that. And if you want to get updates on that, you can go to socialzoomfactor.com slash subscribe. But I want you to just make sure you are thinking value and trust and relationships that have real meaning when you are thinking about your communities and Take the word control out. You don't want to control your audiences. You want to establish and nurture real human relationships with them. And you can subscribe to this series for updates on how you can better talk human to your audiences. Just go to socialzoomvector.com slash talk human to me. So I hope that this information was helpful for you today. I hope maybe it made you think about a different way to look at your audience. If you've fallen into the trap of controlling or wanting to control your audience, you know, why don't they like me? Why don't they comment on my content? Why aren't they retweeting me or sharing this? That is a mindset toward control, whether you think it is or not. Instead, you need to be thinking, wow, the content I'm providing must not be really working. And go back to your own heart, go back to your own mind and your plan and your strategies, because it could be that you don't know your audience. And that's why I always talk so much about knowing your audience and the importance of inspiring and connecting with your audiences by leveraging the right content to do such. So if you're having problems and you're feeling like you're losing control of your audience, of your community, just remember you never controlled them to begin with. They're not yours. You don't have control of that audience. You don't have control of Facebook. The only guarantee we have of Facebook is that it's going to change by the time we wake up in the morning. And so if you're dependent upon Facebook and if you're dependent upon control of your audience, you're going to have a hard time ever achieving your business results as it relates to social media and marketing and community building. So I hope this made you think about that a little bit differently and just really get to the heart of your community and the human beings within them. Thank you so much for your time today. And I hope that you have a great rest of your week. That's a wrap. If you're ready to Zoom your business and Zoom your life, then don't let the end of this episode be the end of your journey. Visit socialzoomfactor.com slash Zoom for incredible free resources and guides. And be sure to join the Social Zoom Factor mailing list so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next time on Social Zoom Factor.